Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. to the Chelsea. So there I am, going back to the bridge again, loving to see the boys in the stadium. I'm thinking, it doesn't get any better than this. <sighs> oh, how surprised I was. How disappointed. Oh, and I had to go with our second guest, who I'm going to introduce first, Gary Hayes. I went with you, didn't I, Gary? Uh, but we won't talk about it now. How are you? Are you all right? Uh, Have you had a hard day? You look tired. I'm still aggravated after my train journey to the game. Well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe we'll, when we've got nothing else to talk about, we may well discuss that. I knew it was going to be awful based on that journey. Yeah. Well, it wasn't awful. To Twitter journey. arguments because of it. Oh, no. And we know that that means the world to you. Um, so, that, really, you just don't understand it, Kerry. That's the problem. Well, no, that's true. But the man who does understand all these sort of things is here to help correct you, Gary, on your way. It's Mr. Andre Saunders. Well, I'm just loving Gary being in an utterly foul mood. It's brilliant. I mean, I mean, the listeners don't know, but there was a tirade before we came on of self-pitying, maudling no, self-pitying. misery from Gary Hayes. and Jeffin. Oh, sky. Oh, trains. Oh, you're just in a, you're on one, Gary. Why are you on? Why, why are you on one? Why are you on one, Gary? That's that's the thing. But anyway, look, we're going to cheer him up today, Andy, aren't we? I'm on one because my hand has got blisters on the palm of it. <laughs> okay, well, that's Andy because... got it. <laughs> that's because you've got your... He has actually brought to the podcast his toolkit... Yeah, I was showing us this drill earlier on, which was fascinating. Drill right there, look, in the it background. Was, it was absolutely, it would have made for great radio. I will say, though, <laughs> I have to say, you are quite handy, aren't you, Gary? I mean, you are you are reasonably I handy. I handy recently as well. I am, um, I am handy, yeah, handy man. Have you, Jack um, of have all you, trades, master of none. Have you bought your new place yet? No, I haven't. I've had to deal with them today as well. Uh, oh, another reason is... why you're on my. But when you when you when you've bought your new, is it a new build or is it is it got room for room for development? It has room for development. It's not. I don't. I don't like new buildings. I don't like new architecture. I know because you lived in a in a sort of medieval place before. But I'm just wondering whether this is going to be a drill fest for you, the new place. Whether we're going to see Instagram full of impressive handiwork. Well, if it wasn't private, everyone would be able to see it. Yes, it will. There'll be shelves being built. There'll be walls being knocked down, steel beams going in, extensions being made, um, floorboards being sanded, restored, wow. furniture being upcycled. Yeah. There we go. There we go. The floorboards are going to be white in a bedroom. Okay. I've got to okay. sort that out. Yeah, can, right. we, can we move on? Because the last of our listeners is just holding on by the <laughs> edge of their nails. This is just like, oh dear. It's a cliffhanger. It's, a, it's well, like sli- Sliced Alone, classic movie. Oh my God. I, I, your taste, act, do, do you know, one of the funniest things happened last week was when you suddenly burst out crying because you missed the chance to, to go and order Gaslight Anthem tickets. And I Which thought, I subsequently got. Yeah, because nobody else wanted them. You're <laughs> still on general sale after the pre-sale. Exactly. After the concert, they were still on sale. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, actually, you are a man of extraordinary taste. I mean, for those that don't know Gaslight Anthem, they're just basically a Bruce Springsteen tribute band, aren't they, Gary? That's, that's essentially no, what they are. not at all. They're a band from the Jersey Shore playing Jersey's finest rock. <laughs> yeah. In the style uh, of Bruce Springsteen. Band. No, but they, they sing about very similar good themes things. to Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> similar, but just a little bit punkier. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's move on from this but musical speak, incident. I'm sat here in my black keys T-shirt I got from when I saw him at Madison Square Garden in 2012. Okay. Well, that's that's better. Very good band. Yeah. Well, and I'm going keys. to watch with a former Chelsea employee. I'm going to watch War on Drugs next week. Talking of drugs, are you are you med- are you are you moderating your medication? Okay, Gary, is because <laughs> you are. Well, I went out on I went out on a Saturday night with Kerry, and he offered me some poppers. I said, "No, mate, I'm not into that sort of thing." So, uh... oh dear. Well, there you go. It's absolutely not true. I would never have offered them. Um, so, yes, <laughs> you wouldn't share them. Get some all to yourself, didn't you, Liberace? They're mine, I tell you. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm not even going down that path. Um, so, yes, it's been international break. It means that the, the halts. Yeah, we know. It's, Gary it's loves an international break. They missed well, it. Although. you know what? I actually forgot it was an international break because I was really busy with Kerry and we were doing some work. We were talking to people in Turkey, then we were talking to people in Leamington Spa. Forgot any games were happening. Right, so you didn't yeah. get to wear your England shirt and shout, rah, rah, England. No, I did leave my um, my cross of St. George flag hanging out of my bedroom window on the council estate. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So predictable. Um, well, but the, the one thing is, with the international break, it has stopped the fever pitch discussion about what's happening at Chelsea in many quarters. Um, and maybe it's been a, a quiet time to reflect on the bidders. We now have four bidders uh, and, and what have you. And, you know, I don't want to get into supposition, but Andy, do you think that anybody is standing out? Do you think it's all now... I, Personally, I'm not sure I particularly care. We won't have any say in it particularly. Um, are you concerned about the way it's going? Uh, have you got what's your feeling about these four? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I'm going to have like everybody else been reading about the various bidders, and there's interesting and uh, concerning things about most of them. Um, I mean, one of the things I would say is this. We don't really know what's going on. These are very, very complex financial acquisition programs involving very complex financial instruments. Um, and it's it's just not something that your average football fan is going to be able to see. So us making any kind of judgments on, you know, who's going to buy it and how, we don't know. We have no but you, idea. But you have been getting good advice on Twitter on how international uh, the, business works. Yeah, you? exactly. There are people on Twitter, you know, the, the average bloke on Twitter is telling me exactly how this is, is is working. So, you know, some bloke on Twitter telling me how, how this is going to work, of course I'm going to believe them. Um, look, obviously the most interesting of the bids is the Ricketts bid because they are making huge PR strides to satisfy some of the concerns of the fans. They issued an eight-point manifesto yesterday of what they're going to do. They've met various key members of uh, or, of fan representative groups. They're, they're you know, really trying hard to get over this hump, which is their reputational damage that was caused by their patriarch, but also other members of their family, and has led to large numbers of the Chelsea fan base, me included, I have to say, being very concerned about them being our potential owners. So that, for me, is the one I've sort of focused on. I'm interested in, the, in what's going on there you know lots of supposition going on around that the others who knows i mean it's all going to come down to who can put the money on the table who can satisfy the criteria that's been laid out so again you know i mean unless you want us to go down sort of rabbit holes of supposition it's it's a wait and see i think have you been uh have you been um mollified and and do you feel satisfied with the the statements they've made the rickets and the the eight point thing the document they came up with yesterday they've said all the right things they've said all the right things but words are cheap words are cheap you know it's actions that matter and their actions in uh in the way they've done business in the causes they've chosen to support in america uh in in the things that they've done and said in america those are the things i'm focused on anybody can put forward an eight-point action plan saying we're going to do this we're going to create an advisory board what does an advisory board mean what power does an advisory board have apart from to kind of shout from the sidelines that for me doesn't mollify me i mean all they're saying all the right things on diversity and inclusion 
position on supporting aspects of the club that the Chelsea Supporters Trust have highlighted. They want supporting the women's team, uh, the academy and so on and so forth. But, you know, I go back to it. Words are cheap. For me, they reek of toxicity. I don't trust them and I don't want them anywhere near our club. That's my that's my gut feeling. Okay, Gary, I, I want to talk because it, it's quite interesting. There, there was a protest at, before the Brentford game um, and there was only 90 or 100 people taking so part. So the eight-point plan was uh, one point per person for the protest, wasn't it? Yeah, bro, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, uh, it was that, but there, were, there was 90 or 100 people protesting outside the main entrance um, before the Brentford game. But do you think there is... A, how do you look at our fan base? Because we do have a huge international fan base, which may view things differently from abroad than, say, the, the homegrown fans. And... Everyone has the right to have a voice, don't they? But there seems to be differing opinions on which side of the the waters you're on. Well, this is what I got into when I was on the train, actually, because I made the the mistake of opening my phone while I was stuck at Swanley. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a homegrown international fan issue. I think it's just people living in the real world and people who live their lives through social media, right? Um, I've never bought into this idea that us match-going fans see ourselves as being superior over fans who can't go because I'm sure there's someone who lives in Sydney who's just as passionate and as knowledgeable about Chelsea as someone who does go to a game. Um, I've always put it down to there's two cultures. You've got this culture that has um, fed Chelsea from the day the club existed of people that go to games and that's where the culture grows out of. And that is the, the cement that binds us, if you like, as Chelsea fans and creates our identity. And now what you've got is fans who are basically trying to create a manufactured culture for Chelsea from their bedroom by creating hashtags and whatnot. And it's just, it, do, it doesn't really marry up with what Chelsea is as a club. I think well, that... Can I just interrupt there for a second? I, I saw that that you posted and I thought it was very interesting and I'm interested in, in this idea of culture and the club culture. I'm not sure what our club culture is, Gary. Um, uh, can you can you put some meat on those bones for me? What is this well, club culture so, that's so, evolved? So, so when I talk about club culture, I'm talking about the songs that are passed down from generation to generation among fans. The way that a song will come together that isn't because someone has put a hashtag behind it. It's that it spontaneously came together. Like, you know, you, you talk about one man went to Mo. Where did that come from? That wasn't because someone was sat in their living room and went, guys, I've got this really funny song that can come together as a Chelsea song. I think, where, where I think, that that's, I think that's a very good point. I think the songs is a very good point. What else? That, that's what I mean, though. So, but so what where, else? So if anyone's not aware of where that came from, that comes from, as the folklore would have it, Chelsea fans were on a pre-season tour in Sweden, in Sweden or somewhere else in Scandinavia, and they were singing that song because all they had on the minibus was some um, nursery rhymes. So they started singing it, and then that grew out to become a part of the Chelsea culture. You Mm. think about Zigazaga starting in... I mean, these are songs. I understand this, but what what, what else? That that is something that feeds it. But then you look at everything else that comes with it, with the the location of Chelsea, Mm. the sort of fans that Chelsea attract. You know, the the Fans that aren't from the location. I'm not... I'm saying the sort of fans that Chelsea attract from the area and the way that breeds out and then it creates this whole idea of what the club is, what it looks like. So people come in and they they buy into that when they go to watch it. So if you go to watch a game in... If you go to watch a game with the Yankees or some a team in the US or, for instance, okay, to, to look at in musically, you talk about culture, Bruce Springsteen. I go round and I go to Asbury Park and I absorb Asbury Park in the way that someone who follows Bruce Springsteen would, you, you know, you go down Kingsley street, which is a street that runs adjacent to the boardwalk in Asbury park, right? You're absorbing it because it's, it's something you bought into from watching from afar. So I think that when fans come to Chelsea, they come in and they do the stuff of, you know, walking down the Fulham road, experiencing that, getting the taste of the place, touching it, you know, actually feeling what Stanford bridge is about. Right. That's what I mean. 
and whereas yeah, I but think I that for you're... me that doesn't make a huge amount of sense, though, Gary. I have to say because you're talking about a culture as if it's like one thing. But you know, I I, I agree. There's history, and I agree there's legacy. Um, but I do think that that's an evolving thing, and I think what you're doing is creating this idea that there are two types of fans. I think those new fans actually impact on the culture, whether they're here or whether they're there, and whether they come to the club. Because this, you stand, this is what you, I was you, you, listen, listen. I mean, if you if you if you um, go into the ground for a home game these days the idea that there's just this kind of old school legacy fan in there is just not true it's a very vibrant diverse fan base now some people may not like that some people may like you know may think there's far too many tourists in the ground and you know and 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 too many people coming because it's a bucket list thing to do or because it's just an entertainment thing to do but the fact of the matter this idea that there is this kind of like this this hardcore of culture i don't i don't buy it well, one, it, I think you misunderstood the point because I'm not talking diversity of fans or anything like that. What I'm talking about is what binds Chelsea fans together as Chelsea fans. You can be from any background. You can be from a ridiculously working class background like myself or an upper class background like Kerry. And what <laughs> makes <laughs> us, what what combine, what you know, what binds us? The fact that we support a football club and we have yeah. stuff. That's, but that's a global thing. That's it, not that's not a class. That's thing. that's the point I'm saying. The the, the un- the point I'm making here is that I don't buy into this idea that because you go to a game, you can be a different fan to someone who doesn't. I don't right. think that this division with fans is to do with the fact that we get to go and they don't. Yeah. I think there's something completely wholly at, at play here. And I think what it is, is that there is a culture that has long existed at any football club, which is the reason why fans turn up and support them. You, know, you ask a fan in Sydney, why do you support Chelsea? And they will buy into the idea of, well, look, there were loads of games on TV, but I saw this team and this is the reason why I wanted to support that team. And then they came to games or they learned more about the club and they bought into it. Where I'm saying about where the divide is, is that there's a social media fan that could be a fan who lives on a North End Road that doesn't go to games or does go to games, but lives their life through their phone and puts too much emphasis on social media, right? They see something that has a hashtag as being powerful. Whereas I see the culture of a football club and the culture at Chelsea, which is the one I'm more educated to talk about, you know, properly is that we, we, we aren't measured in metrics. Our culture mm. isn't measured in metrics. Hashtags are right. I think we put too much emphasis on what, a hashtag does. And, and you know what? This is the thing that actually I liked about Saturday was that there was this big drive with the no to Ricketts hashtag and stuff where I don't really want Ricketts to own the club anyway for all the reasons we've discussed. But then, you know, everyone thought, oh, there's going to be this massive protest and stuff and 90 people turn up. What does that... T- I was actually proud of that where I thought, actually, what, what, football isn't what, completely lost yet. Why were you proud of that? That people Just didn't because get- of the way it was all organised and it's been organised by complete dickheads. I don't, I don't mind calling them. I just saw it in the way they were going around it. I just thought... This why is why really, were they dickheads, yeah, Gary? Well, people that were starting to debate issues with other people and then saying, oh, we don't like the Ricketts people because of X, Y, and Z. And then what did they do? They used X, Y, and Z against people that they didn't agree with. And I just thought, mm. right, so you're saying you don't want someone of this, you know, um, this, this background or in terms of these values owning the football club. And then what you're doing is you're bringing up tweets from someone and attacking them on something. Like one guy was getting attacked because three years ago he had said, oh, I'm struggling with mental health at the moment. Can Chelsea fans come in to help me? And he disagreed with what was going on with this protest. So all these fans start pulling up his tweets from when he was depressed three years ago and start sending him death threats. I'm like, so you're thinking that you're more righteous and just in your protest against these people yeah. that you're sending death you're massive, I think up. you're massively genera- generalising about no, it. I mean, I quite like that. I quite like... I quite like the organising the protest. I quite like the fact that people will go out and stick up for what they believe in. And, That's fine. You know, I, if, I completely if, agree if, with if that. People but what go I don't out agree there, with is people going out of a double standard of going, "We're Chelsea, it, therefore is that everybody, we should Gary? protest this." No, wait. Let me. The people that went on that protest, and one of the people organising the protest, okay, pulls up stuff and attacks someone's mental health and right. starts getting because de- they've got a following on social media, starts getting them their followers to start attacking this guy who. Three, I don't know what his mental health state is now, but then he starts receiving death threats in direct messages and tweets to him, and they think that is just and fine because they see themselves as being the righteous few. Yeah, who well, set up that's a clearly that, unacceptable. And, exa- and, you know, and, and, and the organisers of that protest 
That is what they were doing. Okay. Well, that, that is that, why that, I look at it and just think you're a bunch of morons. That's clearly unacceptable. But but I think that if somebody wants to go out there and protest in the same way they did around the European Super League or the way they want to do, uh, you know, about the rickets, then I'm all for people going out and having a voice, you know. And if that's I've the way they, that. if they if they want to go out and express themselves, in this particular case, if people behaved inappropriately, then I'm with you on it. Listen, I don't think we're necessarily disagreeing too much about it, but I just don't think it's perhaps as binary as you're making it out to be. You know, I think that actually people, younger supporters, people that do come up, you know, who are of a certain age do live through their do live through their phones and and there is an older generation that don't as much and and they're all part of the mix and i think that basically saying that you know there is this kind of black and white situation i think it's a lot more complex than that and a lot more a lot more sh- what do you think kerry we've been banging well, on for <clears throat> my, my view is that there are different ways of supporting there are different ways yeah. of messaging my honest thought is anyone who says they support chelsea i really like because they support Chelsea. Uh, of course, there are individuals you'll find distasteful, as Gary obviously finds like me Gary. distasteful. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, if fans support Chelsea, I'm more than happy that they support Chelsea, and everyone has a right to say what they think. Yeah, there's going to be, as you say, dickheads, and they're going to be incredibly intelligent people. That's society. But the one thing we all have is a love of Chelsea. And... Consequently, everyone should should be able to make their statement, rightly or wrongly, and then you analyse and you work out how you view it. But at the end of the day, I don't care where a Chelsea fan comes from. I don't care how they tell people they're a Chelsea fan because we all love this club. And that that's the bottom line. And, yeah, people will be misguided as, as often you know, you are Gary and, and occasionally Andy is and occasionally I am. We, steady we are all <laughs> steady on. I just agree with you I up to that point. point. <laughs> the point is here though. The point is, is that what's happened in the last week or whether the two weeks or whatever is that it's, it's reared its head again. This idea that because we go to matches, we are better people than people who don't go to matches or that is how it's perceived. I don't yeah, that's think nonsense. that is the case. Yeah, well, I think we're, we're totally and, and, aligned on that yeah, one. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying is that I think that the issue is, and it's not me saying that this is what, there's there's two issues here or there's three issues or whatever you want to label it. What the point I was making is that I think that in amongst all this stuff, it has got lost again, this idea that, you know, for, just to pull out the London is blue guys, for instance, we've all met them, we're friends of them, you know, we converse with them. They're just as passionate about Chelsea as we are. It doesn't matter that they came along in 2003 or whenever it was they started supporting Chelsea, right? The, the point I was making is that this idea yeah, of Chelsea fans, you know what I mean? I think there's a a culture of, it, it, it doesn't matter. And I don't, be, I don't believe that Chelsea fans think that, oh, you're American or you're Australian, therefore we don't want your kind. I don't think that. I don't, I don't think that yeah. is the case. And that, that's what was rearing its head at the weekend. I just thought, what the hell is this? What have we walked into here? Mm. That's, yeah, well, that's not how I see it. Mm. No, but well, look, let, let's move on to what we did actually get to see, which was I finally got to see you after about an hour and a half of waiting, Gary, before the Brentford game, because you had a, a nightmarish journey, shall we say. But you finally did appear before kickoff. We took our seats. And, you know, I was, I was so excited. I'm back at the bridge, the second game, having won such a glorious victory over Newcastle the game before. What could possibly go wrong against Brentford? So, Andy, um, when you saw the team, were you like... I, and actually, we should talk, because, of course, you were a bit of a plastic talking about real fans. I mean, you, you were nowhere to be seen in that ground. I know, I what? wasn't there. I was, I was in Manchester... Manchester. What, seeing City? No. Man United were at home uh, that day when I was there. Um, and Leicester, the Leicester team was staying in my hotel. No, I was up there for my daughter's birthday. Uh, me and my wife went up there to see my daughter. So uh, I was given special dispensation to watch the game in my hotel room uh, while they went shopping in the Trafford Centre. Uh, so I did, unfortunately, you know, suffer through the 90-plus minutes of, of the game. But I did dodge a bullet and uh, and not attend not attend Stamford Bridge, uh, which is quite a rare thing for me. So when you saw the teams, mm. did you or did you not think, it does feel like a bit of a team where we've got an eye on the Real Madrid game. Now, Thomas has sworn that is not the case. But how did you feel when you saw that team and, and just run us through it? 
Well, um, I wasn't so much thinking that it was an eye on Real Madrid and more an eye on that we've just had a load of internationals. And uh, he was probably uh, looking at those players that had participated in the internationals and and, and how they'd come back from those uh, and the distances they travelled and the efforts they put in and the amount of minutes they played. That was more my thinking rather than the Real Madrid game. So obviously we had Mendy in goal. Uh, looked like a back four of Azpilicueta, Silva, Rudiger and Alonso. Midfield three of Mount, Loftus-Cheek, Kante and then Werner and Ziyech either side of Havertz uh, coming up front. So, you know, a decent team that should have done the job against Brentford. Uh, but at what looked a tired and lethargic uh, team as was evidenced by the game. Uh, Gary, I mean, the, the first thing it became apparently clear was that Ruben, we weren't playing a double six. We were playing this four-one-four-one kind of situation, but it was—it was Ruben was playing as a six and Kante ahead of him. You think it was four-one-four-one? I thought it was four-three-three. No, I think it was four-one-four-one. Who told you that? Well, me. When you're because at the game, I, I, you just see a different game, Andy. I'm not sure if you're yeah, aware. Yeah, you see, yeah. you can't I've, tell I've, when you're I've only plastic been to a and couple, watching on Gary. telly. <laughs> well, Kerry hasn't missed a game since March. I don't know about you. <laughs> yes! He's on a run. Hey, I'm on a run. What did you think? It was well, more Sorry to interrupt. Look, uh, yeah, it could have been 4-1-4-1. It could have been, right? I mean, I, you know, it it could have been. For me, it, look, it just looked 4-3-3. That's all I'm saying, so... Well, yeah, it, it, look, he, he moves it around. It's a bit fluid, but definitely Ruben was playing on his own um, behind. Fair, I don't know what, I think the players I, knew what it was, did they? I don't know, what, no, Ruben, I I don't know, I don't know what Ruben was doing, but we'll carry on with that. Sorry, Gary, interrupted your yeah. analysis. What did you there. think with, the, with that shape? And were you surprised when you saw Ruben more on his own? Uh, yeah, we both were, weren't we? Yeah. Um, I, I just, look, I'm not, we, we spoke at the start of the season and we thought, we were talking about the players and what we were hoping to do. And I, I was hoping that, you know, Ruben would prove himself to be the player we hoped he would be. I think that he's proven what he can do for Chelsea, but he's not a starter, as we know now, you know, where he is in his career. I think he's a good squad player to have around. But God, please, can a manager play him in his position? He's not a number six. You know, he's, he didn't play as a number six in the youth team either. He was, he was always a number eight, right? That's where we got the best out of him. I think the, I think the only player that's got the best out of him is Sarri. You know, which is saying something, right? But he's not a number six. He played Kante. Well, Kante was playing further forward, whether it was a double six or what. Kante was the one that was operating more in the final third. And I just think that Ruben doesn't have the vision to to play in that you know um, position where you need to get the ball, Jorginho style, and play it if you're playing there by yourself. He was getting caught in possession a lot. He, had, he thought he had more time on the board than he wanted. And I think Brentford wouldn't have been um, preparing for that, right? But they worked it out pretty quick. And then we saw it so many times, didn't we, Kerry? You'd have Ericsson and someone else storming Loftus-Cheek. One would be jockeying him. The other one would be dispossessing him, knocking him off the ball, right? And that's how uh, Brentford were able to turn possession really quick and go at Chelsea. And I don't even think the manager sort of wanted to change it because I think if he if he had seen it happen and was worried by it, it would have changed it, wouldn't he? But um, I just don't know why he wasn't played forward. But um, yeah, it was just a disappointing, disappointing performance from the get-go. The moment they started... And Mendy made that horrendous pass out to Ivan Tony, who should have scored. A, a um, true ricket. Yes, a true ricket. Um, it was, you could just sit, you know, sometimes you just get those days where you're watching the game and you think something's not right here. You know, they, whatever it was, who knows? Um, it just wasn't, they weren't on it at all. They weren't switched on. And you can say international football, maybe they're expecting to beat, beat Brentford like we were talking about in the last pod. I don't know, but they were just, to a man, they were all off it. Yeah, I I'd agree. anyone out, but all 11 <laughs> of them were garbage. Well, I thought Kai Havertz actually had quite a decent game, but he had to go searching for the ball, and when he got the ball, there's no one to give it to. Um, <clears throat> and also, the defence had a... Had a Pretty nightmare. Let me let me game. comment on Ruben Loftus Cheek before you go on to the defence, if you don't <laughs> mind. I, I thought he was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. You know, best game he's had this season was at centre back. You know, against Luton. Um, you know, he, he can play an eight, yeah, sure, box to box. He's not good enough. He's not good enough for this team. He's twenty seven next year. You know, he's had enough chances. I know he's had injuries. Is he that old now. Yeah, he's 27 in January next year. And, and wow. uh, you know, and, and he's not a kid anymore. He's not coming up from the academy anymore. People like him because he came through the academy. But they've got this misguided idea that he's a work in progress. He ain't getting any better. 
He's not getting any better. You know, he can come on fine for 15 minutes at the end and, you know, hold the ball up Mikel style if he wants, you know. Uh, but but he can't transition. He's incredibly slow on the ball. He takes far too many touches. As you quite rightly said, he got closed down. He makes poor decisions, doesn't score enough goals. I mean, it's just not good enough to play in our midfield. You know, yeah, if, we're I mean, gonna, if we're going to be a, uh, a team that wants to win serious trophies, then it's not going to happen with Ruben Loftus-Cheek as part of the team and really he should be more ambitious about wanting to play football and go somewhere where he can you know be a bigger fish in a smaller pond that's he's my view Ross Barkley territory, isn't he? he's totally in Ross Barkley territory they're two players that shouldn't be anywhere near our club anymore I know that's harsh I don't like singling players out but when a player's been at our club for so long and constantly flattered to deceive you know a, but when you watch games like that you're thinking you had an opportunity to come in against a, you know an opposition that we should have beaten and prove to us and prove to the manager that you are an elite player that can play for an elite team and I'm sorry I just thought he was dreadful yeah I mean that was going to actually be my point if you'd have let me finish um well I thought you the, weren't going to allow me to rant and that would have been unforgivable Kerry well yeah that's very true um the point was I thought that Ruben disrupted that back four and made them very nervous. And that really got worse and worse. I mean, we we survived through that first half, that defence. It was threatening to fall apart. And I do blame a lot of the midfield. Plus also, Thiago, he'd only got back on Friday night or something. Mm. I mean, it, it's crazy. Yeah, his wife from- was on... She, she did a video on social media brilliant. about did you, it. Did you see that, Kerry? Well, His wife's Instagram video was fantastic. It was funny because yeah. she was losing it and then she started speaking Portuguese. There's a guy correcting her going, telling her the English. But, yeah, uh, it's good. I mean, it, it's, it, it's unbelievable that, you know, somebody like him, you would think if ever there's an opportunity to manage a player, knowing you've got Real Madrid coming up, and I'm sorry, whatever you say, you do have to keep an eye on what's ahead of you when you've got a player like Thiago, who's so integral to Chelsea's defence this season. I, I just thought it, it was a it was a strange decision. I mean, there are a lot of strange decisions with that side. Um, and I think that back four, once Mendy had dropped his ricket and you had Ruben playing the way he had, that back four suddenly thought, oh, it's going to be one of these days. And it did feel as though we got away with it for the first half. And then when Rudiger scored his finally one of his um, shots on goal from 35 yards, that was an absolute belter. You almost felt everyone relax. And then suddenly it was one all. And from that moment on, the game was gone. The problem with, with playing a back four is it needs some level of protection. The centre-backs yes. need some level of protection. You're playing three centre-backs, then you can kind of get away with, um, you know, with somebody going a little bit absent. But when you've only got the two centre-backs um, in, in a back four, you're going to have some protection. As you say, Kante was further up the pitch because that's where Kante plays best. Um, and you're left with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who lumbers, who lumbers around, who can't transition. You know, when you're trying to play the ball out of defence, you've got Mendy making terrible mistakes. You've got, you know, Rudiger and Azpilicueta not playing at their best it was just really poor and without any kind of cover which is what that midfield was supposed to offer it was just played right into Brentford hands Brentford love playing on the counter they're a high energy team you know what the problem with Brentford is they tend to lose it in midfield and teams do them on the break well we were just getting done time and time again um you know really quite an unforgivable performance from our midfield I think yeah, it, it really was. And I mean, that second half, I mean, it was extraordinary to be one up and then three one down within 12 minutes. 10 and minutes. It, yeah, 10 minutes, well, 50th minute and 60th minute. With a yeah, no, we went one up on 48. So Yeah, so it's 12 minutes from us going from the, our first goal to their third. That was including all four goals in that. Well, math- I've got the 50th minute on the BBC. What, for Rudiger's goal? No, for Rudiger's goal, yeah. And yeah, then, that's what I'm saying. 12 well, minutes for four goals. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So for four so goals, I was yeah. Being really they scored advanced. three goals in 10 minutes is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm saying there were four goals yes, in yes. 12. Yeah. There we go. We got it. But I mean, watching it, two split hairs over that. Well, I, net you know. Spend, mate, Gary. Net spend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't say that to poor Andy. <laughs> Careful, I'll start going on about XG in a minute. <laughs> well, I had a joke about XG, about Rudiger's goal, because his XG must be like, Point zero 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 one percent because that was about his a thousandth shot of goal this season. One Four years, I think in. he's been trying to do that, hasn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, unfortunately, we're now so going to see another spend another four years watching him try to do it. <laughs> but um, do you not think also that 
once the game was in this strange situation, we didn't quite know what to do. I mean, I thought it was really telling. One, I have to say, I've now seen Timo Werner close up a few times and I don't get him. I really don't. I found it really strange that he started coming out with comments now in the press about how it's much easier to score and play for Germany than it is for Chelsea. I, I just don't see any confidence. I don't see any sort of understanding of what he needs to do. Now, maybe he's play, being played too far out on the left, but something is really not working for him. And it, it's starting to terrify me that he is taking up a space in that team where we need someone else. Um, OK, look, Pulisic, who's been getting better and better the last few weeks, he didn't get back till late from America, so we don't play him. But yet Thiago, who's 37, doesn't get back till really late, and we play him. Do you not think that's all a bit strange? And, and are you concerned about Werner now, uh, Andy? Because I know you've stuck up for him a lot as I've well. I've stuck up for him an awful lot, as my son will tell you, with, with a certain amount of satisfaction, I'm sure. Um, because we've had many arguments about Werner. I mean, I do think there's a very, very decent footballer in there. I like that he creates things. I like his energy. I like his pace. I like the fact he's relentless. He doesn't give up. Clearly doesn't score enough goals, but he does make things happen. We stopped making things happen. He becomes pointless. Um, and I think there is an element of him being played far too wide on the left. He's not being played close to another player. All the success he had in Germany was with, with as a foil to someone else or somebody as a foil to him. He doesn't seem to have a natural foil in that team that he can work with or work off um, and he's becoming a bit of a kind of lost sheep in that side he, body language wasn't great his touch was poor he wasn't creating things he wasn't making things happen you know his touch has been off all season I, I, I like you I'm starting to have serious concerns now and feel that I've been slightly yeah, duped duped by the Werner situation and uh, you know we can possibly upgrade him because he isn't a striker you know because he's not going to score you 15 goals a season he's not He's not going to give you enough assists for him to be able to play as a winger. Doesn't really go past people. Again, he's an, he's he's like a lot of our players. He's probably a good squad player. He's probably you know an impact player that you can bring in with 20, 20 minutes to go. But you know, is that what we need? We need some players that can go out there and and relentlessly make things happen week in week out. And we just seem to have too many players that can make things happen occasionally, but not consistently. And Werner is in that camp. And okay, and that I mean, Gary, if you want to add anything on Werner, you can do it at the beginning of this next question. Now, I'm always moaning as you find out, and as you've been finding out in the last couple of games, about the state of our corners and the fact that we hit the first man all the time. Now, you told me the reason for this. Would you like to share this reason why we are so bad so often at corners at Stamford Bridge? Oh. Christian Eriksen wasn't, was he? That's, that's the problem. No, I mean, that's the problem. It does <clears throat> take away because, from your thinking. It's because the um, they don't have grass on the side of the pitch. So the players are running on a 3G pitch and then planting on a grass pitch and they can't get the run up and the rhythm to swing the ball. And you see it with a lot of players. Obviously, Eriksen seems to be the... Um, exception to the, the rule. Exception to the rule. And I know, obviously, some players... So, you know, Chelsea sometimes deliver a great corner, but... By and large, the players complain because what they've done for the drainage is where the, the line is, the grass ends, and then it becomes the, the 3G. So they're running in studs on ground that isn't made for studs, and then they're hitting the grass, right? So they can't get the ball up you know, into, into the air. So that, that's an issue. You, that's why you see some stadiums, they have a big square patch of grass at the corner. So the players can step in to do it. When you play um, cricket, you sometimes play on an astro pitch, like an astro strip. And when you're bowling, you'll run in on grass and then onto the astro. And it's a very similar thing, although it's in reverse, obviously. Uh, and you're running onto astro in cricket spikes and it makes bowling very difficult. So I, I, I totally buy into that. I think that's an interesting... Because it's, it's crazy as well. That you think like Ziyech and Mount, are such, they've got such good delivery on free kicks, but they can't deliver a corner. Yeah. It's, just, it's the same thing. They've got no run-up. And, you know, they're sort of doing it from standing almost. And um, also, because of the drainage over in our corner, Kerry, on the west stand as it meets to Matthew Harding, the pitch drops so much. So they're running uphill with no step enough you know, to get to the ball. So, yeah, yeah it's, um, it's, 
it's difficult. Although but I would so- say this, that, that you know, the, the first man thing is interesting because there is a school of thought that says there's no point just lumping the ball into the mixer around the, the, the penalty spot. Although, again, my son will tell you I'm a proponent of doing that on occasion. But there is a, you know, there is a school of thought that actually the, the, the ball to the near post, if you can get a knock on, that creates chaos in the penalty area. Of because it, then, then it brings a lot of variables into play. So the idea that you're just going to put the long ball into the back post or to the penalty spot... You know, that's when you've got lots of centre-backs back there, you know, and, and big players. That's not going to be as uh, a, much of a percentage ball as playing it to the near post where you can get something knocked on or flipped of, on. Of course, but <clears throat> often with us, the first man is nowhere near where the man who goes to the near post I'm is. Not no the ex- I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the, the exec- I'm not saying we the can't execution. Even get to, we can't even get to the near post. I'm not, if they're I'm, trying to do it, they've got no one attacking the yeah. near post even. I'm, so. I'm not saying the execution has been good, yeah. but the thinking behind the near post corner That I get, is, and is I buy proven, into. You know, yeah. Totally. So why can't we just put a bit of grass around those corner bits? I, I don't yeah, get Gary, it. Yeah, Gary, why can't do, we do that, Gary? Yeah, Gary. We speak to Kevin Fowler about it, didn't we? Who's Kevin Fowler? Oh, sorry. See, here's the difference. Chelsea culture, you international fans, non-going fans, compared to the fans who do go, we know who the fucking groundsman is. Oh, now you've gone and sworn. <laughs> we don't do that, you mug. Now we're going no, to put, I, I, I think we're gonna have to put an E and a sexually explicit on there. Yeah. And, that's and the just parental before, advisory. That's before Gary's even come in. No, I, I, don't, but, I think it is Kevin Fowler still the, um, still the groundsman. Very, very funny if it's not. Wrong. Yeah, I hope you are. I'm going to Google if there's it. Some, if there's some hashtag weirdo out there going, well, I think you'll find hashtag groundsman is. Let's well, see. Yeah, but, maybe um, maybe we'll call this episode. Where's Kevin Fowler? Yeah, m- m- maybe they should do that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but do, on, do you know what? Do you know what? He's the assistant grounds manager at Chelsea Football Club. No, because the other guy is runs it over at Cobham and Kevin yeah. runs it over at Stamford Bridge. Well, no, he's the assistant grounds manager, Kerry. So he does. He's yeah, not so in a decision making capacity. Guy? He's been there for years. I saw him on Saturday. Well, I don't know. I'm looking at the assistant groundsman. Oh, my... yeah, they, they've been there for years. So there you go. Anyway, anyway I know my well, stuff. You know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and we're all. You're most... pointing us at underlings, Gary. It's not impressive. Well, yeah, yeah, you, but, all you know but, are names. Well, look, um, what also talking about strikers and Gary, I'll carry on with you. Um, is I thought it was very telling that Lukaku doesn't come on until we're 3 1 down. Okay, you could say it all happened so quickly. Well, there was no time for reaction. But, and, and again, you said to me when he came on, this is his chance to really show that he's got that desire and that passion and that willingness to really get on with it and take the game to Brentford. Uh, what did you think of his performance when he came on? And also, you can tie that back with Werner. Are these two dead men walking? Um, well, I think Werner is because he's cheaper to get rid of. Um, yeah, with Lukaku, is that you know, it's always the same with strikers. If they're not getting the service, how can you judge them and how can you be critical of them? But what I will say with him is on Saturday, he wasn't showing for the ball. He wasn't making the clever runs for the ball. He was sort of doing a lot of running, but it was almost where he wasn't interested. We saw him, didn't we, Kerry, where I said to you at one point, I goes, Havertz has taken up the middle spot and Lukaku has sort of just allowed him and he's gone out and out. I can't believe Tuchel's giving that direction. And Lukaku was sitting out on the wing and then he was just running up and down the wing, wasn't trying to you know, impact the game or put his impression on the you know, It was just really frustrating seeing it. And obviously we're seeing it right up our end where, where the players were attacking. But he was just he was just off it. I, I, I can't believe he plays that way, that way for Belgium. I didn't see any international football this time, so I don't even know if he played. That's how much prep I did for this. But, you know, um, I, I just don't see the same Lukaku playing for Chelsea in the way that he does for Belgium. Now, I understand systems and everything play a part in that, but when he came off the bench, he just looked very lightweight and he made it very, very easy for that Brentford defence. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Uh, Andy, over to you for the last. Lukaku, has he got a hope of carrying on and doing the job for Chelsea? Uh, I don't want to give up on him just yet. Um, I, I think he was dropped for Belgium um, in in the last game. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and also, Jason Griffin is the head groundsman at Chelsea. There you go. Um, but he Lukaku, runs over at Cobham. 
I don't want to uh, to write him off. I, I still don't think that we're playing to his strengths. Maybe that we're not going to play to his strengths. Maybe that's Tommy Tuchel basically saying, well, we're not going to change our system just for one player. But I don't think that necessarily we are directing the ball to him in the way that he wants it. So I give him a little bit of a, an out on that one. But you're right. I think he just looks, again, a little bit like Loftus-Cheek. He's lumbering around. He's not snapping into the in, into his movement. He's not losing people he's quite easy to mark I don't think his positional sense is good he doesn't seem to be playing with joy and enjoyment he looks like the world is on his shoulders he's not looking like he's celebrating other people's achievements he just looks like he doesn't want to be there and he looks like we're going to add him to the list of striker failures that have that have littered our team for the last 20 years up there with yeah. Robert Fleck well Robert Fleck Chris Sutton Shevchenko Torres you know, the list, go- Mark Haitley, uh, the list goes on. Yeah, it does. Well, look, uh, we should actually go to a commercial break now and uh, have a breather. And then we'll come back and we'll look forward to this week's games of Real Madrid and Southampton. We'll be back in a sec. And we're back. Right. OK. Misery of Brentford over. I would just like to quickly say I thought Christian Eriksen had a great game. The longer the game went on, the more he Space did. we gave him. Yeah, with absolutely. But it shows what a player can do with space because he just pinged it all over the place and we never even got close to him. But anyway, we, could, we they, digress. The fans clapped him in the Matthew Harding stand as well and he went to take a corner. I was like, what are you doing? Well, that's, that's that, because you know. you're not a very nice person, Do it. Gary. Yeah, but do it before the game or after the game. Don't do it when he's tearing us apart. Well, well, you know, sometimes respect is due. I'd have more respect for you if you sang, Gary. Yeah, me too. Or clap. <laughs> well, fan culture. And didn't just yeah, stand there with your arms folded. Yeah, exactly. Stand there yeah. and watch and judge. <laughs> and judge. judge. Yeah. yeah and a, mutter under your breath. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, look, I still think it's all a precursor. I think Chelsea feel as though third is theirs for the taking um, and I think all eyes were on Madrid no matter what anyone says that's how it kind of felt yeah. certainly how it be, planned there out there might be something in that I, I, I don't think it's as, as, as clear cut as that but I think there's definitely something in but that but the thing is as well just on that um, I, I made this point before it was widely mentioned in the media oh you're so wise it was Gary. a year to the day almost after the West Brom debacle because that was on the 3rd of April last year yeah. This was on the second. Happens to us, doesn't it? Every season we're gonna we get done by some team that shouldn't do it. And then we turned us. up and beat Porto comfortably. Yeah, exactly. I mean every season we we end up in a game, you know, against a mid table team or a lower mid table team who smash us and we're going, What happened there? And the world falls apart and then we're quickly back in. And in some ways it acts as a little bit of a, a rude awakening and a livener for us to, to, to get it up again. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it is interesting. Look, I, I think that's only the fourth game we've lost this season, isn't it? Yeah, in the league. I mean, it, it's not. It's not like we. Some teams have to do this every week. Imagine being yeah. like a Burnley fan or a Norwich fan and, and seeing that every week. What, not entitled. <laughs> well, yeah, not massively entitled, but Club having culture. to go having to go and pay fifty quid to watch your team get smashed every week. You know. Yeah. No. Exactly. But well, look, we got we got Real Madrid coming on Wednesday. I, I'm so excited again. I'm just continually excited going to games at the moment. Win, lose, or draw. You know. It's not going Chelsea. to the semi though, Kerry. Are you? Nah. No, I don't. I don't like semi-finals at Wembley. I think they're weird things. Mm. But, Plastic, um, and I've got a commander. Plastic, any Gary? We go. Oh look! Oh look! Here we go! Yeah, Andy, non-plastic. But you know, I, the the Real Madrid game. Uh, it, you can't get a better game to go and see for a Champions League game. I, I would suggest, as far as names go, because I've never seen us play Real Madrid in a competitive game. Um, live, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, they are a strange side this this year, as they have been for the last few years. Um, they should have gone out to, to PSG. Uh, PSG just got the wobbles on and let them in. Um, I would hope that we don't do that this time round, um, like PSG. I think we've got enough in the armoury when we play the proper full-strength First eleven, I think Real Madrid are there for the taking. Uh, what are your thoughts, Gary? Yes, they're there for the taking. I don't buy into this. Oh, I can't pick a better Champions League team to play. Oh, 
don't care only because I've never seen I've never seen them live uh, against Chelsea and I like okay. seeing I've seen everybody play uh, play us I'm going to I've the game to watch Chelsea play against the team I don't care who they're playing I'm, oh, not, I'm yes. not there Real and you Madrid. won't be clapping let, will let, you let's all buy into this all let's all go see the great Madrid no I hate I hate Real Madrid with a passion because it, they are Franco's side and I've detected yeah, exactly. them you know, they, they won half their European Cups when they were bunging off UEFA they probably bunged off UEFA for the other half of them as well allegedly um, um but no I mean I'm saying I want to go because I want to see us beat them in the flesh because I think we will and that would be a great feather in my cap you know uh, that's something I really want to do so I mean what about you Andy it is a big game isn't it whatever of you course think it is and Gary's take is stupidly reductive you know to, yes, to turn around and go I only, I only go and watch Chelsea because you know football's a I game that's played to Chelsea to go oh, I'm definitely going to that game because we're playing these I've got to watch well, who would you rather who would you rather Chelsea play would you rather Chelsea play St Albans City or would you rather they play <gasps> Real Madrid you know frankly I don't you care know, it's the Champions League quarterfinal I'll go fo- to watch Chelsea I'll, football matches going, oh, I hope we get in Real Madrid because I just really want to watch Real Madrid I'm a Chelsea football, fan football matches Real Madrid well you're talking about who you want to win. It's like you know, this idea of like, oh, would, would you go to Ronaldo's last game? Just, I don't care if I see Ronaldo isn't it again more or not. Sa- isn't it more sat- yeah, but isn't it more satisfying when you beat teams like that and you go, oh, do you remember? Look how you talk about when we play Barcelona. And there's always a magic about oh, talking about to, I'd love Barcelona. us to play Barcelona because I'm oh. not beating Barcelona. No, listen. Oh, 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 oh no, oh. no. Because Kerry's buying into this idea of like, oh, it's against Royal Madrid. Royal Madrid. Oh, we Who get says to, that? We Who get to that? see Chelsea play against the Madrid that have won 20 European titles. I never titles. said that. Anyway, I never said that. The question was directed at me. Just, just quickly, the, though, the question was directed at me. I love yeah. beating Barcelona. That's yeah. why I'd love to see us play him again. Well, that isn't well, that's that's why I love Real Madrid. Isn't literally at Stamford Bridge? Isn't that literally the point that Kerry's making? It's quite nice. I get to see the great Madrid of Di Stefano. No, I didn't say that. No, I think what I think what Kerry's saying is it's really nice to beat you know teams that are perceived as being elite teams in world football, whether that's Barcelona or uh, or Madrid or PSG or Bayern Munich or you know some of the English teams. It's 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 nice to pit yourself against teams like that and see how you come off. And of course, if you're going to go and watch a football match, you want to you want the best against the best. And and to say I'm not going to pay any. League, Andy. I'm not going to pitch. I'm not going to, uh, you know, to, to even look. I'm not even going to go and look at the other team. Is stupidly reductive. But that's yes. just my that's just my opinion. No, um, and mine too. But stupidly reductive but, person. But my um, but my my view on the Real Madrid game. I'm like you. I'd, I've not ever seen Real Madrid live. Um, I think they're in an interesting place at the moment. They had that amazing result against PSG where they looked dead and buried. They got absolutely smashed in El Clasico where they lost four 0 to. Barcelona. They sneaked a win against Celta Vigo at the weekend, 2-1. You know, they're not coming to us massively full of confidence, uh, and we're not completely full of confidence. So I think it's a real leveller, this game. Um, we beat them last year. We beat them comfortably last year. So I don't think there's necessarily a fear factor uh, against Real Madrid. But, you know, you can't write them off. They've got decent players. They're, you know, they've got uh, a self-belief about them. Um, and they'll come to us thinking they're going to win. Um, so yeah. it's up to us to make sure they don't. That's my yeah, view. Exactly. I, I'll go with that. And I have actually seen them live a few times against Malaga, um, but never against Chelsea. That's the thing. It's like a tick, I guess. I get to see Chelsea beat this Real Madrid. This is the point, Andy, what I'm saying. Ticking off like bucket list of, I got to see Real Madrid play Chelsea. Whereas I'm like, I don't care, Chelsea. They can play St. Albans five times a season. I don't care. I'm not ticking a box to say I saw it. Why not? Well, why it not? doesn't make yeah. any sense not to say that. Why don't you this idea that Madrid are this great big clap? club why that we should sing? all love to watch? It's not. It's when not you... just Madrid though. And I then, mean, and I, then I Barcelona like... like using the the line that Nike gave him to say, "Oh, more than a club." I don't care. Buying into no, this idea of like, oh, but I still was, like going was, and seeing other teams. I remember the night that I watched Barcelona at Stamford Bridge, or I watched Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge. But you no, say no. that. Who cares? But you say that about Barcelona. No, what you I say, say is I love it when Chelsea put it up and because they go round with this. Exactly. We say about being entitled. Gary, that lot are entitled. Gary, you're an idiot. 
We should move on. <laughs> no, I'm really not. I'm not. It's, the point is, look, this idea of romanticising another club. That's but nobody's doing that. Not, nobody, nobody's you're doing turning that. it. Nobody's doing that, Gary. Oh, All no, we're saying I is that... I the box to say, I got to see Real Madrid against nobody's, Chelsea. No, nobody's I want to tick that. the box to say that I saw Chelsea beat Real Madrid. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong wanting to go to a big European game under the lights at Stamford Bridge against a, against an opponent, you know, who you know who would be a great scout for us and 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 to beat us. There's nothing wrong being excited about the opposition because there would be a great scalp to claim, and that's what we're saying. We're not going there to to you know to to um, genuflect at the altar of Real Madrid. We're going no, there I in the hope them. in in the hope that we can beat them, you know. But there's but it's still exciting to think we're at this stage of the competition playing this team. That's a big game. And if we get that scout, that'll be amazing. There's nothing wrong with that, Gary. That's not. I'd be, excited, that's, I'd be just as excited for this game if it was Porto. Well, or, maybe. Well, or yeah, maybe. The, point, the point is also that it's just last year we had a chance to, to see. Well, we, we played Real Madrid and couldn't see it. So this year to get them again, I want to see it because I want to see us beat them because I absolutely detest them as much as you probably detest Liverpool. So, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. I just have never seen Real Madrid play Chelsea in the flesh and I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it. elite Premier League, Champions League football's for you, Gary. I just, you know, I think you'd be no, much, much happier, I'm much happier going to watch Dulwich Hamlet. I'm because because elite global Chelsea. football is no, about going to watch Chelsea point. play you're, the best teams in the world. My, my, you're, you're going on about Real Madrid, and I'm saying I'm excited to see Chelsea in this stage of the competition. I don't care who it is we're playing. I'm not going to turn up. You know. Yeah, all right. I get it. Look, let's move on. Let's Madrid. move on. I'm, start, I'm excited well, because Chelsea be. are in this stage of the competition. It could be, you know. FC Sheriff, who Real Madrid played in the group stage that we're playing in the quarterfinal, and it wouldn't be like, oh, it's an anti-climax because we're playing a small team. Nobody I don't would care say that. who we're playing, but you are I'm literally this idea of like, oh, misconstruing Madrid in London. The you are Madrid. literally misconstruing no. what we're saying. You just have no idea what you're saying. I am right. Okay, not. now look, let's have a, a go at the predictions for this. Uh, Andy, would you like to go first? I think we'll win. I think I think that the um, the game on Saturday was a wake up call. I think that we won't play that team. I think that there will be uh, people coming into that team that will be better equipped uh, to play a game of this at this level. Um, and I think that there will be a uh, there will be something about us under the lights at Stamford Bridge um, on Wednesday night. And I'm looking forward to it. And I think that we'll win. I think we'll win one nil, and we'll take a one nil advantage to the Bernabeu a week in a week's time. Okay, well, we're not going to ask Gary for his prediction because he doesn't care. Doesn't care. Uh, doesn't care. So I'm going I'm with Madrid two. Are going to win, and Kerry's going to have to wait to tick the box on his bucket list of <laughs> Chelsea beating Real Madrid that he watched a game. Well, that's a foolish thing to say, foolish. and you're all sulky. You're being <laughs> strangely childlike. I'm going for two nil to Chelsea. What are you really going for, Gary? <laughs> two nil literally to Real sulky Madrid. Now. <laughs> He's Real Madrid. He is definitely sulking. This always works in a podcast. Um, okay, right. And then lastly, we won't do a roundup of it. We've got Southampton at the weekend. Now, how is that going to be? Be uh, what's the score going to be? Let's go for quick predictions. Gary first, if you've given up sulking. Well, I don't care who Chelsea play in the Premier League, so <laughs> I would say you know Chelsea or Southampton one, Chelsea three in this game. Excellent. Thank you very much for your measured decision-making. I won't be ticking any boxes to say that I saw it. Because you won't be there. Exactly. (laughs) Andy? I'll be there. I'm actually going to the game. uh, Because I'm a real fan who goes to the games. (laughs) Do you uh, clap and sing? Yeah, I'll be in the uh, I'll be in the posh seats. I'll be in the I'll be in the uh, corporate, so I won't be clapping and singing. Uh, I'll be sitting Kick there off. gently applauding under my breath. Um, I'm going to a friend of mine. My friend always takes me to uh, to Southampton, so um, I should be going to that. Uh, listen, they they're a funny old. Well, God no, uh, they're a funny old team, Southampton. They can turn it on, um, and then they can be dreadful. Let's hope they're dreadful on Saturday and we win three 0 Okay, so you've both gone for threes. Well, I think after our two against Real Madrid, 
I'm going to say we're going to win 2-1 against Southampton. But it's a, it's a funny game. It is. We, Can't call that it's one. Always, no, but, well, we just tried. Mm. We, we tried very well. Oh, well, we guess. Well, yeah, we are, we, it's all supposition. But, um, right, well, look, we are out of time. I'd like to say thank you to both of you, but I'm only going to say thank you to Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, go on, I'll say thank you as well to Gary. No, I don't want you, thanks. Fuck off. <laughs> He doesn't care who he does a podcast with. He's just. I'm just excited to do the podcast. He doesn't care who's on the podcast. It's all about him well, doing the podcast. It's not an anti-climax that the Zoom camera turns on. I see you two mugs. You know? <laughs> well, that's good, the isn't last it? Time, the last time I was on a microphone interviewing someone, it was someone incredible. And then I'll sit here and have to interview, well, speak to you two. I don't care. It's all the same to me. It's all the same. That's what I love about you. You are just ticking a box around Madrid, getting yourself off to it. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Don't be such a mug. God, you're you're right. Why don't you go find Sky again? What what the point I'm making is you're no better than the TV producers that have the cameras on the cop waiting for him to sing You'll Never Walk Alone. (laughs) That's what Kerry's like, waiting for Real Madrid to turn up at Stamford Bridge. What the, listener, what, the, what the listeners don't know is that after this podcast, we're going to get a slew, a slew of WhatsApp messages from Gary vainly trying to defend his position. You, I don't you know need what? to defend my position. My position is clear. <laughs> Kerry's yeah, a mug. A, okay. And Andy, you're not far behind him. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know what? My theory is, after two and a half years not being able to see any football... I want to see big games. I enjoy them. That's it. Right, look, we've got to go. Uh, you will see Andy and me next week. I don't know about Gary. He's probably still going to be Sulking. hiding away. He won't be talking to us. So it's going to be fun on Wednesday when I'm sitting next to him. But will you there be? You go. Well, I don't know. If I can change my seats, I'll try. Yeah, I'll try. Um, what do you mean? What's this? What are you on about? Real Madrid. Oh, what, you see, you change your seats and not sit with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm going to sit with him, really, because I I get such a... uh, Well, oh, okay. (laughs) He's going to be muttering under his breath for the whole game. I might swap seats with the prick who sits behind us the last few weeks, given his running commentary, so he can give it to you, Kerry. Oh, really? Awful. Forward! Forward! It's true. No, the one to the right's worse. Uh, anyway, right, look, we got to go. Thank you both, as always. I hope you found this entertaining. Uh, this has been The Chels. Come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.